Celtic Stuff Live, the only toll-free call-in webcast produced specifically for Celtics fans. Celtic Stuff Live. All right, everybody, welcome to Celtic Stuff Live, and, and we're back. Uh, John and Justin, and uh, we actually are bringing on uh, somebody new to the show, somebody that I, I honestly, based on the quality of the writing and the quality of the podcasting, I would be very surprised if any of our listeners hadn't heard this name. But, you know, essentially, uh, we came about this in, in, in a very, uh, very opportunistic kind of way, very, very lucky for the Celtic Stuff Live crew. So if you listen on redsarmy.com and you listen to the Rain and Jays podcast, it'll be no secret to you that there's been a little bit of conflict, a little bit of conflict between John and Jay. And, uh, you know, I think what maybe many listeners, not only of our show, but also of Rain and Jays, may not have been aware of is that Jay has actually been seeking terms on a buyout for a number of weeks with John lately. And uh, unfortunately, uh, unfortunately for Rain and Jays, fortunately for Celtic Stuff Live, they were unable to agree on terms, and then ultimately they decided to part ways. And and Red's Army, uh, again, I, I I don't know why, but they waived Jay King this week. So so Jay King is now well. Welcome to the show, Jay. I I I gotta say I'm a little surprised, but we're you know uh, their misfortune is is our fortune on the show. We're really happy to have you. Yeah, things fell apart really quickly with me and John. Uh, one second, everything was going well. The next, I learned that he hadn't even seen Hoop Dreams. And then before you knew of it, it was like a Latrell Sprewell, PJ Carlissimo type thing. And I was Latrell, of course, just choking him out. And after that, a buyout was inevitable. We had to part ways somehow. I'm a free agent. Well, I was a free agent, but decided to join you guys. Yeah. Yeah, we we're so glad to have you. I mean, I got to be honest with you. I was I was not happy. If this were NBA 2K, my my morale meter would might be around 35 or 36 right now. Um, you know, the trade really hurt me. But you know, I I think you and I can really bond through this because um, I think we I, we were both done dirty there. And uh, I listened to I listened to the show, Jay. I, I you know you you were doing some great stuff. Carrying Corrales left and right, and and the fact that he hadn't seen you know some of those great movies, Hoop Dreams. I mean, come on, above the rim. I mean, what what are you doing? Like, well, hold hold on, Jay, uh, John. Let let make no mistake, and Jay, you're gonna have to back me up on this, but I'm pretty sure that when John when John told uh, when John told John that he failed his physical, John said, "Don't send me back there." I mean, am I? Did I hear oh. that? I don't know. I didn't hear that. I, there must have been must have been something with Skype. Sort of Skype. It, you know, it's tough to get traded and then go go back to the place that didn't want you. Uh, you know, that's almost as tough as having a partner who hasn't ever seen Hoop Dreams, which is just absurd. So, so I, I feel for you, John. If that is the case. Thank you. Thank you. And hey, <laughs> you know, look, we're gonna bond over this. This is gonna be great. You know, uh, it's going to be a three-man booth. It works so well for ASPN and ABC with their broadcast. Um, I, I really look forward to it. Those guys do such a great job. 
there, Mark Jackson and Mike Breen especially. So I, I'm really happy to be able to do this with the three of you, the two of you guys. I, I might be uh, out after that. You just praise Mark Jackson, man. That that might force me out of this. I, we're just in the initial stages, and you're already thought praising Mark Jackson. That, you know, that, that's almost <laughs> a, a hoop dream type type thing right there. This is already falling apart, John. I can just feel it. Like the it's already falling apart. We just got started, Jay. Like, are you like Boogie Cousins? Are you just like, are you like a, a coach killer? Like, what's going on here? Like, you know, we're. I'm, I'm tough to deal with. Woo. You know what? I, I'm just I'm just looking for the right culture to kind of lift me up. The right I need the right organizational fit. If I have a little a little discontent around me, the things just spiral downwards really quickly. And I mean. To praise Mark Jackson, clearly that's not the type of organizational culture a really, you know, up and down type like me needs. Well, I got to be honest. I mean, listen, if it's not going to work for you here, you know, I'm not afraid to say there goes that man, you know, Mama, because honestly, I mean, it it's, it maybe just doesn't work <laughs> out. I got to be honest with you. I mean, we've we found a way to do this here, you know, and I don't know if you got a I don't know if you got send some sort of Netflix subscription to Corrales. But uh, look, maybe it's just not going to work here. And I you know, hey, you, you do great stuff. But look, this this there's two big egos here. We've been doing this a long time, man. This is like uh, you're trying to fit into an oil well oiled machine that sat, you know, uh, dormant for five years, uh, and that that always goes well. So I don't know, man. Maybe this isn't the right fit. All right, but just know if if we do reach a buyout with with you guys, then pay me the full salary to go away, like like Stefan Marbury with the New York Knicks. Like you, you're going to pay me, even even if I'm not playing, even if I'm not suited up. You guys are going to have to pay me my entire well, it, salary. It, so it, it's coming out of that. John's cut. It's coming out of John's cut because he's the one that brought up Mark Jackson. This thing was going fine, and and now all of a sudden it's off <laughs> the rails. Well, you know, maybe, maybe it's fine. And look, a hundred percent of what I, you know, 20% of whatever this is. I mean, Hey, look, you know, it's gotta, it's gotta work and uh, money doesn't buy happiness. The cap's going up. I, you know, we're going to have room to add in any number of different talents. If you, we don't know if it doesn't work out with you, Jay King. So yeah, I mean, look, we just, we told um, Sean Grandy that he couldn't join us every week. And now, you know, because I mean, we were all excited about this thing. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, I apologize there, but I'm tough to deal with. I, I really are like, there are a lot of similarities Jeez. between me and Boogie Cousins, except he's a lot better talent. So, you know, I, I bring like all the headaches that Boogie brings, and, yeah. and but not not the same amount of double-doubles, man. Sources say. Sources look, Woj, say. Woj just had a tweet about this. He says that uh, your, <laughs> I can't believe this, that your uh, your representatives are already seeking a buyout and a return to rating Jays. Is this true? I mean, I, I don't even know how you could tweet that out to your people in just the 30 seconds we've been on here. It's, it's really an unforgivable sin not to see hoop dreams. Uh, I, I don't know how you can go through life not knowing my man Arthur A.G. and and his, his talent and his, his emergence for whatever high school in Chicago that was, that that he emerged for during hoop dreams. So, yeah, I, I don't know if this is going to work. I don't know if that's going to work. I, I I might just go like the way of Peyton Manning and and just walk away from the game. Wow, wow. Well, hey, you heard it here first. Wow. <laughs> if he, you know, if he'd watch a few less Simpsons episodes. 
Corrales might be able to fit one of the, you know, three Simpsons episodes is one, is Hoop Dreams right there, you know? I mean, it's not yeah, that, that tough. Was another source. that was another source of the issues between us, was uh, he, he was spending too much time with, with Bart and Lisa, and, and not enough time, you know, scanning Netflix <laughs> to watch, watch the old basketball flicks. Right. Well, look, yeah, I, I was watching Hoosiers this afternoon. Um, got a chance to introduce okay, I'm that back to in. my kids. I'm back in. Well, I hate to tell you, it, it's. It, I don't think it's going to work. Um, yeah, I, I, Justin, do I tell him? Maybe you should. You know, I, I feel like I've kind of started this, but. No, ahead, I mean, Justin. you know, it was a good effort. I think it was a good effort. I mean, I think we all tried to 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 do the right thing here, but you know, it just got off to a a, a really awkward start. You know, and I just, you know, why mess with a good thing? I guess, and you know, uh, I love what you're doing over at, at Rain and Jay's, but. It, I mean, I'm not even sure you're doing that anymore. I just, I guess, I, I wish you the best, Jay. I mean, I, I, I don't really know what to say. That's okay. It, it, you know, this happened with me before. <laughs> ne- ne- next time we meet, you know, I'll, I'll probably go for fifty or sixty, and by fifty <laughs> or sixty, I, I mean fifty or sixty ums within a raining Jay's episode because <laughs> I'm really not a good speaker. So. <laughs> Thank you guys for the opportunity, and uh, you know I'm really sorry it didn't work out. That's all right, Jay. We'll have you on as a guest. You can you can always come back. You know it's not like it's not that bad. But you you'll come back. We'll have you on the show in a couple of weeks, and uh, you know we'll do an interview and everything. We'll we'll still make it comfortable for you to come on the show. But you know I guess John and I just got to run with this thing. Yeah, it'll be like Boogie on Team USA, like where they're they're together for such a short period of time that he can't make too many enemies. It'll be like that. It'll be like that'll be my Team USA appearance is when I when I come on the show as a guest rather than a host. Perfect, perfect. I think we found the sweet spot. Jay King, everybody from MassLive.com, having some fun with Red's Army and the Rain and Jay's podcast. Uh, if you don't know why this is funny, then you need to go back a couple of shows. Uh, and li- I think two shows ago, you have to listen and pick it up where it all started. And and who knows, this might not be the last of it. <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. All right. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Jay. Well, John, that's good stuff, man. Absolutely love it. And, uh, you know, I know our featured guest, Scott Souza, is coming up here in just a couple of minutes. But, you know, to kick off the week, um, a lot of fun. Uh, although I do have to tell you, you absolutely did say, and I quote, I did. send me back there. I did. I did. I was embellishing. What do you want me to do? Come on. Come on. Jeez. <laughs> oh it was great stuff i really enjoyed it jay obviously wanting to have fun with it as well but it's good stuff and uh you know there's that's what i love about you know this whole internet media you know the whole like there's no rules here that's what's always made this so much fun yeah yeah totally totally no it's been great i i'm i I, yeah it was fun it was fun <laughs> I can't believe we did that. <laughs> I know. It's good stuff. I, well, and the and the other thing is, is that Corrales has no idea that we did it. So so we're gonna have to tweet this out in the morning with the show post, and I'm sure it'll blow up again. And you know who will really love it will be Erin down in Florida. She will get a huge right. kick out of it, yes. the same way she did the Weinzeller comment from the Cavs game on Saturday night. The wines are, yeah, that was that was that was genius. Well done, <laughs> well done on that one. <laughs> what is funny is, is I've been holding on to that for a long time. Oh, really? Thinking, 
Yeah, I've been th- I've had it for a long time in my head. And I'm like, when do you bust that out? And then all of a sudden, she posts Zeller and wine. What a great night! And I was like, boom, it's right yeah. there. It's yep. been waiting for me. Yep. All right, let's go grab Scott Susan. Kick this thing off right. Sounds good. You know, Scott, it's been a while since John and I have been on the air, and we are kind of making the making the rounds. And I remember that you were one of our very first guests on our very first live show. We were covering the draft. I think it was like a, a six-hour draft show. And it's just so awesome to, to have you back on, you know, especially where you were with us when it all started. Yeah, it's one of the original gangsters of uh, Celtic Stuff Live. It's, uh, it's great to uh, get the gang back together again. <laughs> we, do, we need to have an OG list, John. We need yeah. to create an OG list and, and, and get it posted up somewhere. Absolutely. I mean, you know, there's and right at the top. I mean, we don't want to have to get into the whole thing of where Mike Gorman fits in the list versus Sean Grady. There's a very many fragile egos. Who was there. that last guy you mentioned? Yeah, it's, uh, I never, yeah, I never uh, heard that. Uh, Big. I know all about the. I know all about the first. I know all about Mike Gorman, of course, but the, the second name doesn't ring a bell. Yeah, you know, yeah, I. <laughs> I you can I come on understand. our show. You guys, anytime. The old jokes. You guys have to. You guys have to be up with it with the old jokes. Come on. I've, I've been. I've been cultivating this material for four years. <laughs> the last time you guys had a show. It's a good point. This is. This is true. I mean that. We need we need to go back through the Wikipedia of of Celtic stuff live and and make sure that we're we're up on all the the old things. That, yeah, you're right. For so those could I ask you guys this question? Are you guys is this a uh, are you guys uh, um, now that we're uh, now that we're back in uh, the third now that the Celtics I should say are back in the third seat? Is it is it a bandwagon jump for you guys or is it just a matter oh. of uh, getting back around to doing the show? That's a fair shot. That I, is I, an I didn't absolutely hear you guys fair when shot. Games. I didn't hear you guys <laughs> Actually, when uh, when. Uh, Chris what Humphreys is... and Keith Bogans were on the team. Marshawn Brooks. <laughs> we were we were gone before Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett. Uh, so <laughs> I'm just I'm just going to let you know we jumped off the bandwagon before. So in all fair, but that's a fair that's a fair comment. And I'll tell you what, when I was at the game on Thursday when I last saw you, that's what Peter Stringer said. He said, "Oh, we must be good again. We got all these guys coming out of the woodwork." Exactly. Well, it's a good time to it's a good time to get back into things with the team. Obviously, a um, you know, you were there. Uh, you know, one of the last games, Justin, and, and I know John. You follow the team, you know, closely on television and um, and, and through the media and, and the different uh, it's social media that you do. And yes. uh, it's been a lot of fun to uh, to cover this team this year. Uh, just in terms of you know the expectation game. I think coming into this season, a lot of the people who watched the last thirty six games of last year, uh, they may not have thought that the Celtics would be doing this in in the fashion they're doing it. Some of these late comebacks, some of these exciting victories. I think a lot of the people who were around the team were, were comfortable with saying 48, 49, 50 wins. It was, um, you know, maybe some of the people in the media who don't follow the team quite as closely who thought, you know, perhaps the end of last season, that, that 20 and 10 run or 24 and 12 run to, to end the season was, was, you know, had to do a little bit of, had to do with a little bit of block and, and maybe the four game sweep of Cleveland with, against Cleveland was more indicative of where this team was and they might actually take a step back this year. But uh, obviously that has not happened. No, I mean, you know, I think I think the, the the Cleveland game from this weekend aside, you certainly this is a team that that did not that only took a step. I wouldn't say even one step forward. I say a couple steps forward between where they where they finished last year and where they've where they've ended up this year. Uh, you know, I think that for those and I'll speak for those, I was a little bit on the fence 
just in terms of, you know, okay, you've got this magic in a bottle once you get Isaiah Thomas. Would the league be able to figure it out? And they haven't by far and away. Um, what's been your biggest surprise this year? What, what has been, is there, has there been something that's really surprised you in terms of how this team has played to this point? Uh, a couple things that, I, you know, I think are worth noting. I mean, not only are they um, playing very well, third team in the, uh, in the Eastern Conference, but they're, you know, they did it without making a lot of major additions from last year. The David Lee thing does, didn't work out and the rookies don't play. So basically, you know, Amir Johnson is the only change from that team. And you would have thought, you know, it, that they would have, you know, they were 40 and 42 last year with that team, even though they were 24 and 12 in the last 36 games. You would have thought that perhaps they would have needed to do a little bit more if they were going to take the next step forward. And, and again, really, Amir Johnson's been, been the lone rotation player they've added. And now over the last 100 games, um, they're 62 and 38, which is a uh, you know winning a 62 percent winning percentage, obviously over their last hundred games, and that's a that's a large sample size. So you can't really you know look at it as lightning in the bottle, um, you know that you might have been able to do at the end of the last season. That you know this is a full body of work. This is what this team actually is. Um, other things that have surprised me, I've been obviously incredibly impressed with um, the strides for Jay Crowder has made offensively. Uh, last year, he, you know, he had some big moments. He obviously brought a lot of character to the team. He brought a lot of intensity and, and you know, a different, you know, when, when a different type of culture, I think, that he tried to admit right away when, when they moved on uh, mercifully from the Jeff Green, Rajon Rondo era into a, a new era. You know, he kind of put his stamp, I think, on that team right away. Uh, you could see it during the, the playoff series last year, but a lot of that was intangible stuff that he was bringing to the team last year. did hit some big shots at his game winner towards the end of the year. But this year, he's just become a much more complete offensive player. His three-point shooting has gone up. He was only 29% last year. It's gone up to 36%. He took the big ones of those. So he's been a big improvement. And, you know, just the way Isaiah Thomas has continued to do what he's, what he's doing. I think, you, you know, you mentioned a couple of minutes ago that, you know, maybe that was coming into a new team. People hadn't figured him out what he was going to be doing with the Celtics, and he kind of caught a lot of people by surprise last year. Uh, Cleveland did figure him out in the playoffs, and you wonder whether it was going to be a blueprint for him. And what he's done this year, uh, not only uh, continuing to be productive, but also you know continuing to be productive as a starter and, and all the bumps and hits that he takes, not wearing down at all and playing starters minutes all the way through the season has been uh, uh, very, very impressive. Now, in terms of... Uh... You know the game last. You know, well, the, we're this isn't going to air uh, on sun on Sunday, but but the Cleveland game. Do you think that's more? Which which Celtics effort do you think is more indicative of where they will go forward from here? Do you think this the, this most recent effort where maybe they fall short, they get you know maybe get in their heads, the pressure of the playoffs kind of comes together, or do you think that never say die attitude that we saw in the last Cleveland game? Where do you think that? Where do you think these guys match up specifically with the Cavs? You know, I, I, I would be very surprised if they were able to beat Cleveland in the seven-game series. They'll, they'll show a lot better than they did last time. I think they can stretch it out to six games, maybe seven games. You know, to ask them to beat Cleveland, you know, that would be up in the paid grade a little bit. But I think the competitiveness will be a lot more like the, the game that Avery Bradley won a few weeks ago. I mean, last night's game was competitive. It, you know, the final, final margin was 17, but that kind of spiraled out in the last couple of minutes. It was kind of a... You know, it's pretty much an eight-point game until those final few minutes there where the Celtics got a little frustrated with some of the foul calls and kind of let it get away from them. Obviously, they were, they were winning the game early, uh, big. Uh, probably knew that Cleveland was going to make a big run right after that, which they did. They got all the way even within halftime. And, 
you know, it was also a tough situation to play Cleveland in. I mean, you're coming off the five-game homestand. You have the back-to-back the night before, a game that came down to the, the final seconds, having to come back a couple games in a row at home. Uh, a lot of things did not, you know, a lot of things did not set up favorably uh, for the Celtics in that game, uh, much the same as you, you could argue that the things didn't set up favorably for Portland when the Celtics were able to blow them out a couple of days earlier, you know, when they had come into the guard and having won 18 out of 22, but it was a four-game and five-night, and, and that was the end of a long road trip for them. I think kind of a similar thing for the Celtics. I think what, you know, they had a representative effort on uh, on Saturday night, and it was just those last couple of minutes when the game, you know, was, when it was kind of clear they weren't going to win the game that uh, the score got uh, a little a little lopsided there. Yeah, and even the third quarter, I mean, a lot of their frustrations obviously came out. Marcus Smart's technical, obviously the biggest key or the biggest sign of that. Uh, the officiating wasn't awesome, but it sounds like everybody got sort of an ample warning, like don't push it or you're going to get teed up. And that's certainly what happened. But uh, do you think this team got frustrated? Do you think maybe they hung their heads in a way or let that let their emotions get the best of them for the probably the first time in quite a few weeks? They've, you know, they've they've had emotion. You know, they, it is an emotional team of players, and they've had emotional lapses um, through this winning streak at home. And you know, Marcus, uh, especially some of the road games. I mean, Evan Turner got thrown out of a road game a few weeks ago. Uh, Marcus Smart has kind of become, I think, a target of officials a little bit. I'm not one of those people who constantly uh, harps on officials. Uh, maybe like an old colleague of yours uh, from Celtic Stuff Live used to uh, often, but. Um, uh, but I think it's clear that they're looking for certain things on Marcus Smart, and, and perhaps that's because he plays so physical. Perhaps it's because he's only a second-year player. Perhaps it's because he sells um, charging calls a lot, and he's, you know it, it's very difficult to call a flop in the uh, in the present tense. But I think some of these officials will go into the games knowing that Marcus is selling some of these things, uh, and they want to kind of keep on him, keep him honest through preemptive means, which isn't necessarily the way to do it. But I think it's kind of human nature. You know, we've seen a few different times over the last couple of weeks that the Celtics, you know, they're an un- when they play small, they're always going to be kind of an undersized team. So they're always going up against, you know, bigger guys. Isaiah Thomas is obviously always going up. Everybody's bigger than Isaiah Thomas. So, you know, you could argue that he deserves a foul call every time he drives to the basket. They're not going to call a foul every time. Um, Jay Crowder, uh, we've seen him a couple of times where he's driven, wanted a call, not gotten it, and kind of pleaded his case to the official while the other team takes off down the court. Last night it was Marcus Smart who did it. Um, I don't think it's a, a sign of a greater problem. I just think it's it's something that they have to keep an eye out for. Well, you talk about the Celtics going small, and you know they they adopted small ball, really born out of necessity as an early adopter in the league. I mean, obviously we see it a lot now, and and uh, you know across the league, including the Warriors. But one thing was we saw Cleveland go small ball. And I thought that was pretty interesting because, you know, you wound up having Kevin Love on the bench in the late minutes, well, a good portion of the fourth quarter. And what do you think about that? LeBron kind of moving into that, sliding into that four spot. Could that be something that would give the Celtics fits if they did end up getting so far as to meet Cleveland in the playoffs this year? Maybe. I don't think so, though. I think the hardest thing time the Celtics have is when they go small and another team stays big and is able to continue to take advantage of it. A game like, uh, you know, a team like the Minnesota Timberwolves a couple of weeks ago, uh, Utah to a certain extent, that game that they lost. When a team says, no, you know, I'm always kind of surprised in the NBA when a team goes small, usually another team will go small to match it. And the teams that have size and skilled big players, uh, they don't 
they don't kind of lean on that a little bit more and say like, okay, if if you're gonna, you know, if Jay Crowder's gonna be your power forward and Amir Johnson's gonna be your center, who's really a power forward, and Evan Turner, who's really a shooting guard, is gonna be your small forward, then then we're gonna make you pay for that because uh, <laughs> we're just gonna you know batter you inside and and, and out rebound you. They really haven't been able to do that to the Celtics, and they haven't. Teams don't really do that around the league. I mean, every time Golden State goes small, teams try to match them by going small. They don't try to stay big. Um, you know, early in the season, I think Brad Stevens juggled some lineups. Obviously, he had Tyler Zeller and David Lee in the starting lineup for the first three games of the season, so I don't think he intended to uh, to go small as much as he had. But over the first, you know, in analysis over the first two months of the season, um, he was able to figure out that those were all the best lineups when they, when they would go there and when they decided to shorten the rotation and remove David Lee and remove Tyler Zeller for a while. You know, you only have one big out of the floor at one time, so you, you know, between Olenek and, and Sullinger and Amir Johnson, they can kind of handle that, and, and the, you know, Jay Crowder picks up bigger minutes. Um, you know, that's when they found their success, so that's when they're going to keep going to it. In terms of other teams, you know, I think Celtics kind of, they wasn't necessarily the case last night, but uh, I think we've seen the Celtics actually do well when other teams have had small lineups on the floor, you know, including obviously the, the Golden State game that went to double overtime earlier this year. Well, you know what, and it's interesting too because coming, you mentioned other teams going big, especially when they go big and they stay athletic as well. Milwaukee and Utah being perfect examples of that and that Utah loss coming right out of the All-Star break. But then interestingly, not only in the rematch against Utah, but also in the game against Milwaukee, both wins, the Celtics seem to go against that that long, athletic, almost small ball style lineup by going even smaller themselves and having a lot of success. So I thought I think that's kind of an interesting nuance to how Brad, to your point, you know, teams that wind up bending to the other team's pr- plan or process tends to lose. And the Celtics almost said, all right, you want to you want to play this game? We'll even go smaller. And then they were able to have some success with that. Um, when you yeah, talk about one of the Cleveland... other things that was kind of interesting, it hasn't been the case the last couple of weeks because obviously Kelly Olynyk's been out. But uh, and you know when they have, it's not quite the same when Zeller's on the court or when Amir Johnson's on the court. Um, a little bit the same with Salinger. But what they'll do is they'll. I was talking to Brad Stevens about you know kind of that small ball lineup. When they go small, kind of off the bench in that situation, their guards are actually big. Evan Turner and, and Marcus Smart, so they've been posting up their guards, and they'll bring all their front court players to the perimeter, Jarebko and Olenek and uh, Jay Crowder. And, and that was really effective for a while until uh, Kelly Olenek got hurt. And I think that was one of the reasons why they kind of struggled coming out of the All-Star break is they had to recalibrate, okay, how are we going to attack this? And they went one and two in those first three games, and then you saw they kind of put it together um, in a big way during that five-game homestand uh, sweep. That's a, that's a really good point because Kelly Olenek was so much a part of what, what they do and the way that they spaced the floor. They did. They had to figure out a new way to play. That, I guess that's just a major credit to Brad Stevens and how he can adjust and coach this team through you know changes like that. Other than Kelly Olenek, the team's pretty healthy. Do you think the goal in the playoffs – is for this team to be able to get back against Cleveland. I know it was a first-round matchup last year. It won't be this year. But to get back up against Cleveland to kind of set that gauge a little bit, and if they can go the five or six games that you're talking about, that maybe that shows progress and, and positions them even better this summer for free agents as they try to continue to build this team? Yeah, I mean, I think we, we have a, a two-year window now where free agents are going to look at this and say, okay, there's this uh, situation where we can go and be successful under Brad Stevens. And maybe for the first, you know, maybe last year 
They still weren't at that spot yet because, you know, people respected Stevens for what he had done with the team. But again, you know, we've seen teams have kind of that one-year run like that and then kind of settle back. And I'm also not sure last year whether the Celtics supporting cast, even though they played so well down the stretch, whether players, free agents, and there really weren't that many free agents who moved last year. People remember that, too. Everybody complains that the Celtics didn't sign one. Well, there weren't that many who moved around. Um, only a handful, a couple went back to their own teams, and I guess you could have tried to have lured them away. But like, well, Marcus Aldridge was never coming to Boston. He was always going to go to San Antonio or stay out west. Um, you know, one of the only big ones would have been uh, Monroe. Greg Monroe was one of the only you know big names, I guess, that moved around. Um, but I think this year you might have a situation where somebody will say, well, I can go and play with an all-star, and I say a Thomas, just as opposed to just this guy, this, this little guy who scores a lot of points. I, I can go you know, and play with a guy like Jay Crowder who makes me better. I can go and play with, um, you know, Marcus Smart, a guy who's an elite defender. I think Avery Bradley this year, his defense has come back a long way. You could argue that he became more of an offensive player over the previous two years, both going into the contract and coming out of the contract. Maybe he had lost a little bit defensively and he wasn't quite as, as, as kind of a dominating defender as he was younger. I think he's, uh, come back in a big way defensively this year to the point where his defense and offense is kind of uh, matching each other. So, you know, it might be more of a case where, where uh, people will look at, players will look at this team and say, you know, I can I can fit in with these other guys as opposed to, okay, if I sign with Boston, they have to get rid of most of their roster and then bring in, you know, another one of my all-star buddies and then maybe we'll have something with the coach. Yeah, that's, I think that's a great point, Scott, because, you know, that's, you know, Ainge brought up at the at the deadline, how you, you know, we don't just want to make a trade to make a trade. We want to make a trade to get better. And it's very difficult when you have a team that's on pace to win 50 wins to say, well, we're going to get better. Well, how are we going to get better? And, and what, you know, what player are you going to remove from that, you know, eight, nine, 10 man rotation that you're going to plug someone in that you don't know what, what they're like. You don't know how well they're going to fit in and acclimate to what we're doing here. Uh, although, you know, sounds like, I think with Brad Stevens, you have, you have to have a lot of faith in that. But it's not that simple to do plug and play. Um, is, you know, are you, were you surprised that given how close things are in the, in the Eastern Conference that they weren't able to make a deal? Or did you think, you know, maybe just the price was so high, it, you know, we had, we had Mike Gorman on, um, you know, that guy, you know, uh, <laughs> the, you know, he's like, you know, I don't want him to make a deal. I, 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 you know, we have a good thing going here. What, where did you kind of line in on that? You know, I wasn't surprised they didn't make a major deal. I mean, if they had had a chance to get Horford, I think he would, I just think he's a great fit for this type of team. So I would have given up. I wouldn't have necessarily given up, you know, that many rotation players because then you're right. If you trade Marcus Smart for Al Horford, well, you're gaining something in the front court, but, you know, you're subtracting something in, from the backcourt and how much better are, you know, how much of a better chance do you really have of winning a championship based on that. Um, so I, w- I would have made the, the stretch for him. I'm surprised he didn't um, bring in, I thought they might try to bring in another shooter. Um, somebody like, a, you know, I had thrown out there kind of a Jared Dudley from uh, from Washington who's shooting, you know, three-pointers at 46% this year. Um, I thought that that might have been a, a, a way they would have gone because um, they're for the amount of three-pointers they take, I think they're fifth in the league in, in three-point attempts per game, but they're kind of in the middle of the pack, like 15th or 16th in terms of percentage. So I think if you're going to take as many threes as them, um, they, they offset that by the fact that they take so many shots. They're first in the NBA in pace. But I, I would think if you're trying to, um, uh, if you're trying to you know, be that type of team, maybe you could have brought in another shooter. But uh, I wasn't surprised that they 
didn't make a trade where they traded off key pieces of the roster just to bring in, you know, another guy who, again, is it going to gel within a few weeks right here at the end of the season? Yeah, well, and and that was that you know the one guy I think we we had talked about a little bit on the show was just the Joe Johnson addition, uh, and that was one guy that I think seemed like he could make sense in terms of the skills he can bring to the table. That you know, I was worried about his ability to fit and fit into this team and and want a larger role. What what were your thoughts on you know any of those buyout candidate guys? You know, I mean that seemed to be you know Kevin Martin was out there for a time. Um, did any of those any of those guys strike your fancy at all? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought that's an area where you could have gotten a shooter. I mean, if you, you know, if you if if you still want to go down that road, I'm, I'm pretty sure that uh, Marcus Thornton's still available. So if they feel they want another shooter, somebody who already knows the system, somebody who thinks they can fit in. You know, the problem with those guys is when you know they're bought out of contracts and then they come in and the first thing that they ask for is, you know, what's my role going to be? Um, well, you're a guy who was basically let go by another team, so I don't know that the Celtics are going to be in position to... Um, sorry about the traffic involved. <laughs> Me right there, a couple of trucks just went by. Uh, I, I'm not sure you know, the Celtics are going to be in a position where they're going to say, okay, we're going to guarantee you this many minutes. Um, I always find it weird that players who you know, were basically paid to, to leave their team uh, make demands of minutes and, and contracts and who can offer him the most money, everything else. Joe Johnson, you know, a guy who got paid $24 million to be on one of the worst teams in the NBA this year, you know, was able to get out of it, go to a contender, and he's suddenly, you know, asking for, you know, better, con- again, better contracts when he's already getting paid most of what he was making before and, and he's going to a better situation. But, um, so yeah, I think that I don't, I don't necessarily know there were that many of those guys out there. I don't know that, with Joe Johnson, they would have been able to, as I said, guarantee him the minutes that he wanted. Um, whether there's anybody else who's kind of out there that gets that bill, slim um, pickings at this point, they might decide, okay, we're better off just not affecting our rotation than bring in somebody who's been, you know, we've seen in the past when the Celtics, you know, were going to championships, they would bring in a lot of those contract buyout guys because they couldn't, you know, that was the only way for them to get players. They didn't have any salary cap room. And some of them, you know, Sam Cassell worked out. Stephon Marbury surprisingly worked out pretty well. But then you had other guys like, you know, Troy Murphy's of the world who just kind of sat in the corner of the locker and sulked because they're going into their free agent year and they're not playing. Yeah. <laughs> well, and and once we do get to the offseason, a lot of these guys are coming up on, you know, they're either restricted free agents or they're playing for a contract right now, which is uh, an interesting part of the conversation that we're going to have to hit next time because I know you got to run, Scott. But um, I wanted to thank you again for coming on because – you know, again, it, there's nothing like jumping back on the bandwagon with a good old friend. <laughs> yes, it's like uh, exactly. It's like it's like 2006 all over again. We could discuss. Uh, uh, <laughs> I just got my credentials, and, and, and now we're uh, we're back up there again. Yeah, absolutely. This team is uh, it's definitely fun to watch, uh, and there are a lot of changes I think to still come to this roster in the ensuing seasons and how they handle that. You know, right now everybody wants to put Brad Stevens, you know, and just you know book him for the Hall of Fame, and 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 certainly we'll see. I certainly think he's he's been a very welcome addition, and there's a lot that I like. But you know how this town changes on people when things don't go as planned or the momentum doesn't keep riding in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, you look at the, I mean, look no further than the Atlanta Hawks this year. I mean, everybody was, you know, lauding them as. as what a great job they did when they went undefeated last January and they were a 60 win team and they were the top seed. And then 
You know, they got knocked out. They got beaten pretty bad by Cleveland, who was injured at the time, and people kind of looked at them and said, uh, maybe they weren't as good as we thought they were, and then they lose Damari Carroll and, and kind of have a step back here. And even though that they're still in relative, you know, they're in the mix in the Eastern Conference, they're certainly in the mix to possibly catch the Celtics for the number three spot. Um, you know, there's a sense that, okay, we kind of, you know, they were kind of a flash-in-the-pan team. So hopefully the Celtics can continue to move forward and uh, and not kind of suffer that type of fate. Yeah, could be a cautionary tale. All right, everybody, Scott Souza from the Metro West Daily News. Uh, good friend and, and great to have him back on the show. Always great. I love having him on the show. And he really was there at literally the beginning, the very, the very first uh, live show that we had on draft night. But, you know, it's interesting he brings up the Atlanta Hawks because certainly it is a cautionary tale. I think the only difference is all of these stockpiled draft picks. And I think I've mentioned Brad, Brad Stevens specifically because, you know, we've read the articles. Danny recently doing his weekly interview with Toucher and Rich and talking about how um, uh, about how uh, Isaiah was approached at the All-Star game. There's a lot to uh, there's a lot to kind of like about what is happening for the future and that is usually really what makes the difference in trying to bring on free agents, right? I mean, it's it's what is the buzz out there and the Celtics are creating buzz at just the right time, which is why I say, okay, Saturday Saturday night's game was rough, but look at the way they started that game. Uh, did they lose their cool? Sure they did, but this is only going to help make them battle-tested. I'm not sure they're going to get 50 wins this season. They got a pretty tough schedule down the stretch, including a five-game road trip. They have two more against the, the Raptors, which is a, a big deal in the division. Um, I think they can hit 50, but they've really they've got to win all the winnable games for that to happen. Um, having said that, uh, I think having a tough, a tough uh, stretch to close out the season is going to help make them ready for the playoffs. I wouldn't be surprised to see them face Cleveland, but I would be totally shocked if they really took Cleveland to seven games, let alone six. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think that Cleveland is definitely at a bit of a breaking point as a team. Uh, you know, that <laughs> I think we... I don't want to. Well, you know what? No, I will. I, I was gonna say. Well, I'm gonna hold off. No, I will. I'm gonna go in on the on the referees on this because they didn't lose the game because of the referees. They started. You know, the second quarter, the defense started to slack, and it really was, I think, off of the fact that they were hot shooting and they got they got lazy. But I would also say that that the officials took them out of that game to such a degree that it was it was absurd. And so, you know, okay. That's going to happen in the playoffs. Anytime you play against LeBron, he's going to get the beneficial treatment. His team is going to get the beneficial treatment. We've all seen it time and time again. Um, I I feel good about their chances to... I think they could push it to seven games. I really do. I think they can get three wins against Cleveland. Um, you know, I don't even think they necessarily have to be away or home or whatever. I think that the Celtics can do... They've certainly gotten better at, at holding home court of late as well. So... I'm not worried about Cleveland. I mean, I'm, I don't think they get past Cleveland, obviously. But I also think that Cleveland, with the injury history of Kyrie Irving, the injury history of Kevin Love, you know, you could very very likely see a Cleveland Cavaliers team in the Eastern Conference Finals that is a shell of the team that we saw last night in Cleveland. So anything is, anything is possible, as we say almost every week of Celtics Stuff Live. <laughs> and, I, and I, you know, I'm, I'm the eternal optimist, and I, I really do believe they got a shot. 
Well, I, you know, I, I do agree that I wouldn't count them out just because they are, they're spunky, they're scrappy. And I, I also agree with what you said about how they had the letdown in the second quarter because they were shooting so well. And then the officials really did, you know, give them fits, especially in the oh, third quarter. I mean, I, I, it was awful. It, it absolutely was awful. And, I, you know, I'm not going to argue that. But I also don't think that that's going to, A, get any better in the playoffs. No. And, B, all of the dysfunction that you talk about with Cleveland, that's just about that team trying to coalesce. I'm not saying they will be a, a together unit in the postseason, but what I am going to say is LeBron will be able to turn it up a notch. And that's actually where I get scared. I mean, I don't think in the regular season you see LeBron being very unselfish, but if the game starts to turn or a series starts to turn, he will also turn it up, and that's where I think we're still a little bit in trouble. It is nice to see, however, and I know Evan Turner hasn't been perfect week after week, game after game, but he has improved. And remember we were talking about we need a player that we can put into ISO and hit some big shots? Mm -hmm. Well, I'd say since the All-Star break, he's been doing that. Even Brad said, I think, maybe a few games ago that he was the one that was, you know, him and Crowder were making shots that were momentum-breaking or momentum-stopping shots when other teams were going on runs. But I, I have to say, Evan is getting better in ISO. Don't you agree? Well, I, I've always thought that was probably his... his As long as he's in mid-range, I think he's fine. Um, I, I think he's, he's probably their... I don't know if I want to say he's their best ISO player, but he, I, I trust him with clearing out and, and the ball as much as maybe 95% of, of Isaiah Thomas. I mean, I, I think it's that close just because he seems to have a knack to be able to get his shot off in the mid-range or get to the bucket. Now, if he's 25 feet from the basket, pass, man, pass, 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 because Absolutely. he's no threat to shoot. You know what I mean? If he had a three-pointer, he would definitely have a lot more space to work with. The right. other thing I'll say is, in that Cleveland game, Isaiah Thomas did regress, especially as the game progressed to what they did to figure him out in the postseason last year. What I mean by that was he hit that three-pointer. I think it was in the second quarter, but it might have been early in the third, and it was probably a step and a half behind the three-point line. It was total splash. But then they were out on the break coming up the floor again, and instead of hitting somebody else or slowing the offense down, he took another shot two feet behind the three-point line like a heat check. And that's something I love Isaiah Thomas, but he would have been much better off continuing to pound that ball into the paint and trying to get a foul call. And maybe it was the officiating that that had him pull up again for another three. But I think Cleveland has a way of sort of getting into Isaiah Thomas's head. I'd be interested. I would love to be a fly on the wall when they when he reviews tape with Brad after the game. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think you're right about that. I think that he he. I think he, you know, he was as guilty as anyone of that, um, you know, hey, we're doing well here. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, just keeping that train rolling instead of, uh, you know, and, and be, having the attention on both ends, um, because that's really, they didn't. Uh, they didn't put the attention on both ends. And, you know, that's, that's, that's how we ended up uh, losing that game, really. Yeah. So do you think they can get 50 wins? I know we kind of kicked it off and we talked a little right. bit about that and, and the strength of, or the difficulty of the schedule down the stretch, but do you think they can get 50? I mean, I predicted 44 at the beginning of the season. I think you said, what, 45, 46? 43. I said 43 wins. Oh, that's right. You were one behind me. Yeah. So now it looks like 50 is a possibility. They do have to win 
every winnable game to get there. And they really do. We I know last last show we talked about can they catch the Raptors. Yeah. And after that loss against Cleveland, I think it's debatable even if they take two against the Raptors just because the Raptors aren't sliding. We said, you know, an injury or a Celtics trade and, and no injuries to the Raptors <laughs> and no Celtics trade for a scorer. So it's looking more and more like the Raptors are going to hold on to the two seed. I'm not saying it's it's out of reach. They definitely have to win those two games. But But really, I think we're talking about you know, the next level goal, which is, all right, maybe they don't get the second seed, but can they get the 50 wins? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think they could because I think they're, they'll win some games that they don't expect to. The other thing is that they have gone, they, they have they have the either the most or the second most amount of games played in the league at this point. So they're going to have a lot of rest as they go down the stretch. Now, for a team like the Celtics, that isn't as much of a benefit, I think, than, than it is for other teams. But what it does put them in a position of is to practice and get in the get in the gym and work on things and sharpen things. And to me, that's that's where you want Brad Stevens to be is the chance to implement new things, add new wrinkles, do the things, get his team better. And uh, they really haven't had a chance to do a lot of that. And I also think that will help the the rookies and help some of the young players. I'm not saying that that. Terry Rozier is going to be a clutch player for them down the stretch, or Jordan Mickey, but maybe we'll see more of Jordan Mickey. We did see him quite a bit a week ago, uh, you know, not so much certainly of late, but he's certainly a player that I think can can actually add something to this run uh, as they as they go here through the final month of the season. Yeah, I, I agree, and, and and Jordan did. He's getting more comfortable. He definitely brings something that nobody else brings, and when you talk about you know, the number of games that the Celtics have played. So you look at Toronto, um, as of, you know, Sunday, Toronto has uh, 60 games played, whereas the Celtics have played 64. Mm-hmm. So that's a good four more. One thing that is nice, regardless of whether or not it impacts wins and their attempt to get 50 wins on the season, it will certainly benefit them, not only in practice, but in staying healthy. And once Kelly Olynyk comes back, I think we are going to see maybe a team that's a little bit... I think Brad has more tricks in his bag as a result yeah. of that injury and can bring more to the table when Kelly Olynyk comes back. That makes him a little bit more dangerous. Uh, but but the, the fact that they do have less games, that they're only 18 away from the end of the season, regardless of that five-game road trip at the very end of March, and I think it stops on April 1st, um, other than that, you're right. I think they have a really good shot at staying healthy. And there's been a ton of articles over the last couple of days about this team being healthy and getting rested. And I really like hearing that because it sounds to me like maybe in the postseason, they're really going to be able to turn up the Jets. Yeah. 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 You know, and, and think about you've got Isaiah, uh, Bradley, Smart, Crowder, all four of those guys have been pretty nicked. Up. They've had little dings and things that have probably slowed them down a little bit. Now they're going to get a chance to get a little bit more healthy. And as we're as the the rotations shorten, which inevitably will happen as the season starts to wind down, you're going to need those guys. And and so there's no better time to have that rest built into the schedule. Um, you know, for a team like this, maybe it doesn't make as much of a difference as say a Cleveland or um, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't say Golden State, but but a, a Clippers or you know one of those teams where it's it's a core group of 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 star players and the bench is really a much lesser in quality. Not as big a deal here, but at the same point. I'd rather be going out there with a full comp, 100% of Marcus Smart, 100% of Isaiah Thomas, um, 
you know, because you're going to need them at full capacity to be able to go out there and, and compete with the likes of Cleveland and Toronto. And so, you know, I, I think it's a great thing. Um, does it ultimately mean that they've got some tougher games when they are running out there? It does. But at the same point, if they end up the three seed, that's fine. I'm not worried about playing Toronto in this, going to Toronto to play in the second round. I mean, to me, that's the biggest issue. As long as you're not the four seed, as long as you're in the two, three, and you can hold off playing Cleveland until the, the Eastern Conference Finals, if you can get that far, hey, good, good on us. I mean, because that to me is where that's where the debate is: is how far can you hold off having to play Cleveland? Because those injuries they do mount up, and you know, as we saw last year, by the time <laughs> maybe somebody else could pull Kevin Love's arm out of socket. Hey, yeah, right. <laughs> Let's leave that up to Al Jefferson or uh, you know somebody else that's in the uh, in the in the standings there so that way we can we can not have to worry about that i mean right now the Celtics being third they'd be matched up with charlotte actually i like that matchup i would take that well over if they were second they're playing indiana i don't want to play paul george in a, in a seven game series or play chicago in a seven game series now everything's so close it's a game or two between sixth and eighth place um, actually, even fifth place with Atlanta. So I mean, it's very, it's very close. But if if we can stay the three seats, get out, stay out of four or five, that's I think that's just perfectly fine with me. No need to rush it. Yeah, I would love to see them be able to take Toronto, and I'm really looking forward to the upcoming matchups. They're only separated by five games. Uh, March 18th, they play in Toronto, and then there's, uh, oh, sorry, wait, when when is the other game? Oh, yeah, there we go. Then at home on the 23rd. I knew it was five days apart. I'm looking at the schedule. Somehow I overlooked it. So only two. It really is. And we'll have a much better idea. I'm assuming Kelly Olenek will be back by then. We'll have a much better idea of where this team is at because they're a much better team than the first two times they played the Raptors this season. They've definitely been on a much better role. They're a little bit more on a string as a team. Monday night's game, though, is against the Memphis Grizzlies. Obviously, old friend Tony Allen there. Uh, the Grizzlies are 13 games above 500, which is where the Celtics, you know, uh, certainly wanted to be heading into this game. But, you know, they tacked on a loss with the Cavaliers. Uh, they could have been a little bit better than that. But that's going to be a tough matchup, don't you think? Uh, I do. I do. But, you know, I think that right now, I'm worried I'm, I'm worried right now with the team in terms of what I'm worried about is getting back to defensive intensity and getting getting Olenek back in the mix. Um, I saw it, it might have been Jay King, who uh, our buddy Jay King uh, <laughs> talked to a moment ago. Yeah, um, what a great start to the show. Yeah, good start to the show there. Um, it, you know, the, I think that their offensive offensive rating with Isaiah on the court has been 124. Without him, the last three games has been 78. Uh, that has a lot to do with not having Kelly Olenek out there to spread things. I think not having Kelly Olenek out there against uh, Cleveland really helped, really hurt things as well. So it's not an excuse. They won games without him. It's not like they can't compete without Kelly Olenek. But you know he does add that added uh, ability out there that, that you're not going to get from Tyler Zeller. Um, and you're not going to get from Amir Johnson, and so you need you need that out there. And so to me, that's where I'm focused right now is how do they get their defense back to where it needs to be? How do they get Kelly Olynyk back in? It sounds like he's going to be he's going to be back to practice on Monday, um, and I, and I hope that's the case. Will he be back in time for the game? I I doubt that. I doubt I, they'll probably slowly work him in. My guess. Well, that would be wise, and like you just said, 
you know, with the way that that schedule is designed and all the rest and everything else, it would only make sense. Why rush anybody back at this point? You know, again, the chances of getting that second seed and, and what difference does it make? It makes a little bit of a difference. I'd love to have home court advantage against the Raptors. But is it a huge difference? No. I mean, you still got to win on the road usually because the team that wins a series usually gets one on the road somewhere. Right. And and sometimes they get two on the road and two at home and the series is over. Sometimes they lose one at home and then they get another one on the road and then they get another one on the road. Uh, but at the end of the day, there's very few teams win getting all four at home and losing three on the road. I mean, it, it just doesn't happen. There's usually a little bit of a trade-off somewhere in there. With it, It's nice to have four at home, don't get me wrong, but I think health is more important. If they had to sacrifice players to get there, you know, why? You know, why Why do that? So, right. No, and, you know, and I think the main thing that I'd be looking at is, right, why push it? As long as you can maintain your advantage over Miami, who's only a game back with a third seed. Um, you know, that to me is, is where the focus should be. They've won four in a row right now. They're a game back of, of the Celtics um, in the, between the three and the four. I mean, I think that's that's the only thing they really need to worry about. I, you know, you're, you're five games back of Toronto. Uh, to me, I, I don't want to say I'd give it up when you have two games to play against them, but at the same point, Five games is hard to make up with a month to go, and I would prefer to see them hold on to the three seed, and then let's see if we can, uh, you know, let's see if we can put ourselves in a good position there. Um, if we could stay where we are right now and play Charlotte, I mean, that would be to me that's an ideal world. Is play Charlotte, let Miami and Atlanta fight out for four or five, let one of them go to Cleveland, which I think is the toughest, the tougher matchup maybe for Cleveland than Toronto would be, and uh, and see where the chips fall. That to me is a is a pretty intriguing matchup there. All right, so let's uh, let's uh, you know I know Selection Sunday's coming up. You know everything. You know we got to talk about March Madness, and and you obviously follow a lot more closely than I do. But with the Celtics having the Nets pick and their own, and Dallas is quite likely. Uh, there's a lot of different names that you know. I would think if I were listen, some of these some of these picks may or may not get traded. Uh, it's likely at least some will get traded. Maybe they get traded even for just, you know, they just deposit it into the next year, into next year's bank, you know, just to say we don't need all these young players coming in. So we trade this year's first year, first round away and get another one for next year or two years from now. I could certainly see them doing a few things like that if there's a player that falls, but they are going to make one of these picks. I'm definitely, I'm very certain on that that they're going to make one of these picks. So, you know, as we look ahead to the tourney, wh- what what guys are you watching? Because I know every year you've got a couple of favorites, a couple of guys that you want to become Celtics, right. and then you get to you watch them in the in the tournament. Maybe uh, maybe tee that up a little bit because I know in the next couple of shows we'll we'll start talking about it for real. Yeah. So next week for for those who haven't included it all. So right now next week is the conference tournaments. So that's really even though the NCAA tournament doesn't start for well really another two weeks. Um, this the next week is really when basketball starts to get exciting. I mean you're going to turn on ESPN by the end of this week and it's going to be college basketball on all the time. So uh, you know. You're going to want to keep an eye out on – there's a couple different tournaments to keep your eye on. That's that's the way I look at it is, okay, what are the teams that I'm kind of interested in? Who are, the, who are the guys out there? I mean, we've talked a bit in the past about the top guys. Ben Simmons, 
this is going to be your last chance to check him out with the SEC tournament because they're not going to make the playoff. They're not going to make the tournament. They're, they've had a terrible season. Um, Simmons is a great player, but he is not. You know, his team is in a bad way. So unless they run the table in the SEC tournament, they're done. Uh, Duke is going to obviously they'll they'll make the tournament either way. Um, they'll be playing mostly at the end of the week and and next week in the ACC tournament. That's a very interesting idea. So you're looking at so then other than that you're looking at teams. Who are teams that you know, get your bank for the buck out? And and so a couple different ones I'd look at. I look at Kentucky obviously. Um, you got Jamal Murray there. You got Scott Labissier, uh, who's a guy who's been mocked to uh, the Celtics with their uh, with the the Dallas pick, um, but was at one point considered to be a contender for a top one or two draft pick. Um, so I, I think either of those guys are, are two guys to look at. I'd also look at California. So Pac-10, if you want to stay up a little bit late, you have a little maybe a little insomnia, uh, check out the Pac-10 tournament because or actually I guess it's Pac-12 now, right? They they keep changing these things. I don't I don't really appreciate that. It's not very helpful for those of us who are old school. I mean right now they are uh, you know they're they're in it looks like. I mean they're not a, a lock. Um, but they're one of those young teams. They've got right now. They've got two potential two lottery picks on the team: Ivan Rab and they've got Jalen Brown. Now, Jalen Brown is a guy who is mocked right now to go third. If you ask Draft Express where he should go, a very raw, raw player, a, a player who, um, you know, I don't, I don't know that I I'd maybe compare him with uh, someone like. Um, I don't know, maybe Kawhi, maybe you know Paul George. Um, I mean, certainly he's got more pedigree in that he's he'd be a third pick, but in a down draft like this one, uh, he that may be a, a good comparison. He's raw, but he's going to be a player to watch. Uh, but those are two players who could who are playing for one team who could who could be in a Celtics. Uh, in that range where the Celtics could be picking, um, you know, going on also with Pac-12, Utah, uh, Jacob Potato is the guy who's who's a, a big uh, center rim runner, you know, setting the screen and and then you know creating that crease down the middle of the floor. He's somebody to look at. And the last guy I'd probably look at just because, damn, he's fun to watch is Buddy Heald. Buddy Heald for Oklahoma, so that. Uh, you know, Big 12 tournament there, Oklahoma. Um, they're right now, I think, project. I think they're projected to probably end up be a two seed, three seed, somewhere in there. That guy lights it up like there's no tomorrow. And, and he's one of those guys that it's a bigger school, but I could see him very much having a run like Dwayne Wade had, um, you know, 10, 15, what was it, 10, 12 years ago, where he just gets hot and everyone jumps on his back. Uh, he's got a good team. There's there's a number of good shooters on that team, but he is he's a special shooter. He's a special scorer. Oh, and, and I should add Michigan State. I mean, they're also a two seed. Um, but Denzel Valentine uh, is a guy who I think is a kind of a do everything guard, very much in the mold. I wouldn't say exactly in the mold of of uh, Evan Turner, but but at least in terms of he fills the box score. He fills the box sheet everywhere. Um, Deontay Davis is another guy from Michigan State. So I look at situations where you can get multiple players, you know, multiple players on one squad who could be impacting this team. And this is, as a Celtics fan, uh, you know, you have all these picks. They might deal the first pick. They might deal the second pick. But your time is valuable, Celtics fans. So invest in teams. Invest in in, in um, March Madness teams and, and your time in watching these games where it's best can help. 
you know, Maryland is another team. You've got a number of players. Diamond Stone, who Diamond sounds Stone. like he's, I he's, know. You know he, he, I, I, there's, yeah, he could be in a, you know, X-rated films, perhaps. I'm not <laughs> sure. That's what I read his name. That's what I see. Uh, Mellow Trimble. I mean, they, there's a lot of players there. And, and for those of us who are old school, and if if Mike Gorman is with us right now, Providence. Anytime Providence has a prospect in the top, you got to look at it. And uh, for the locals, Chris Dunn. That kid's special. I mean, he's old. He's he old. I know. It's so funny. I think he's, what, 22, 23? Yeah. yeah but, uh, <laughs> you know, he's he's an old man. <laughs> uh, he's just a walk- As far as a draft yeah. prospect, but Draft Express still has him, I think, top four, right? Yeah, he's right now. Uh, they got him fifth now. Um, but, you know, yeah, he's 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 going to be a player, you know. And then, you, you know, some of us might then start to look at need and, well, you know, maybe they don't need a point guard, da, 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 da. True, very true. But there's, you know, I guess the the point is is that these guys are out there. So I, you know, I definitely check those teams out. I mean, it's, that's six, seven teams there to to watch. Get, you know, bang for your buck out of them. It's this is a time when, with all those draft picks, there's a number of players, and probably in just about every single game you're going to watch in March Madness, who is a potential player the Celtics could be looking at or could be, you know, scouting at the very least. So I hope, uh, hope you get, hope you all get a chance to to check out, which should be an entertaining tournament. It's wide open; anybody could win it this year. Uh, so there's there's anything, uh, anything could happen. There's no, you know, far and away number one team like Kentucky last year who. Didn't win because they lost to my but you know they lost to Wisconsin, who then lost to the Blue Devils. <laughs> Had to mention that, of course. Um, oh, absolutely. You know, gotta gotta do that. Uh, but yeah, so there's you know anybody anybody really could win. It's a wide open field this year, so uh, lots of lot of fun stuff there to check out here uh, for the Celtics. All right, that's that is great stuff, and you got me primed. I'm definitely going to be watching more more games this year for sure, and even just getting into some of the conference tournaments. There's players to watch for this team, no doubt. That's the that's the show for this week, everybody. We're going to be back in a week. Big thanks to Jay King from MassLive.com who kicked it off with us, as well as our featured special guest Scott Souza from the Metro West Daily News, and also thanks to CLNS Radio, the leading online provider for the most comprehensive audiovisual coverage of the Boston Celtics, where we air every single week. And also, got to give a shout-out to my boy Larry H. Russell, who had a great interview with Howard Beck this week and is continuing to just plug our show. John always gives us lots of love on Celtic Speed, so just make sure you download the CLNS radio app. And you can download old all, download all those shows and more. And don't forget post game shows after every Celtics game. So, thank you everybody for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Celtics stuff live.